0: And welcome to Kevin on SaaS. My name is Kevin DeWalt. This is my podcast about starting and growing a SaaS business. Well, uh, greetings from steamy Savannah, Georgia. Um, this week, I'm going to do a book review of Ash Moria's new book, Scaling Lean. If you are an entrepreneur or you run an entrepreneurship program, I think this, uh, this book adds to the great contributions Ash has already made to our field but before I get into that, i got a quick cultural recommendation for you. Um, this is not a promo, <laughs> it's an actual recommendation. Um, I watched a movie last night I want to recommend to you. So I don't know if you, you find yourself in the same situation that I do. When my wife and I sit down to watch a movie on a Friday or Saturday night, it often feels like the, the times 10 years ago when I would wander through a blockbuster looking for a video to rent and kind of walk up aisle after aisle looking at movie after movie and you can't really figure out anything that's going to jump out at you. I guess we all thought that recommendations and data was going to solve this problem, but uh, at least for me it has not. So I watched a movie last night that I wanted to recommend if you haven't seen it yet. It's called Meet the Patels and it's about an Indian a young Indian man um, who is turning 30 and he's not yet married and his parents are freaking out and they decide to embark on a quest to try to match uh, find a wife for him using the traditional arranged marriage approach that uh, many of you might be familiar with. We absolutely loved it. Um, if you work in tech, as, as I'm sure most of, uh, as I'm sure many of you do, I think you're really going to enjoy it because you've probably had Indian friends or colleagues who've talked about this process, um, or maybe you know someone who's gone through the whole arranged marriage ordeal, and it's just a really funny, cute, well done uh, movie, and we enjoyed it. So, if you're looking for something to watch next weekend, um, and you you know, and you uh, <laughs> putting and it's not Sunday, and you're watching Game of Thrones, highly recommend Meet the Patels. Okay, so let me get into the book review of Ash Mori's new book, Scaling Lean. The book, I believe it's due to come out in mid-June. Just go ahead and Google it. I think you can pre-order it, and Ash has some packages. So there's uh, no promos. No, um, This is a completely uh, unbiased review. It's just my personal opinions and feedback after having read the book a few times. So I'm gonna give you an overall uh, review, a sort of a TLDR that uh, for those of you who are just trying to decide what should I, should I buy this book or not? And hopefully I can help you make that decision. The Scaling Lean, where I find that this book fills in is it fills in a gap where I personally have wasted a lot of time. And that's the first three years of starting a new business. How to think about goals and progress, and what to do in our day-to-day work. And I, I know that this—I um, guess—the best way I can describe it is that we have now have a pretty good idea of what to do in the early stages of the of a, a new product idea. I mean, when it, when you Steve Blank and, and Ash morian in his previous book, Running Lean, and sort of others who've contributed to the lean startup community have pretty well nailed the process for going out and validating an idea with customer interviews and discussions. The qualitative kind of dialogue you have one-on-one with potential customers, partners, to figure out if your idea has a chance. And I think that process is very good for rooting out the worst ideas. I don't think anybody comes out of a three months of customer development and discovers, Eureka, I've got it all figured out. That, that doesn't ever seem to happen in my experience. But then there's a point when you you start a business, and and then after a couple years, you get to a point where you're you're scaling, right? And you're looking at ways: how can I add customers? How can I grow? How can I get faster? How can I raise money? How can I hire? How can I build a team? And that's when you're you're looking at growthhackers.com and (laughs) the the firehose of good information that's on there. There's a gap between those two points. Kind of the first, I would say, between the first after about the first three months to to three year time frame where I have really struggled to actually define exactly what I should be working on. And it's it's a point where things are still high risk. You don't know enough yet to have a real business, so you're kind of relying on your own funding if you're bootstrapping or your seed funding if you raise money. You've got re- limited resources, limited time, and every second really matters. And in my in my perspectives, this is where I really struggle. Scaling Lean is the first b- book I've read that's made a real effort to try to fill in that gap and, and give you exactly what you need to be working on, what your goals should be, and how you should structure, how you should structure your work to be able to get your company to the point where it has the best chance of succeeding. Um, So let me just first start off by saying, you know, if you're wondering, you know, if you you just want a one sentence tweet, should I buy it or not? um, This book is how I work. Ash has captured a lot of the lessons that I have discovered painfully on my own throughout the past couple of years with either the companies that I've invested in or the companies that I've started. The rules of thumb, the ways to think about how long it takes to do things, the how to organize my day, how to what to pick to focus on. Ash has really captured a lot of the best practices in this book, and in fact, I'm actually because Ash has done such a better job of synthesizing, um, you know, what I the the optimal way for me to work. I'm going to be using these principles and these ideas and this process in my next startup, which which I plan to start in a couple of weeks. So I would say, um, and I'm going to get to some of the challenges of the book, and I, and I think there, there, there are a few, um, many that are not really related to the book, but just the, the complexity of the topic itself. So I would say this is a must-read for those of you who work with multiple startups from concept to A-round, sort of accelerators, angels, I-Core program managers, uh, entrepreneurship professors, people that are around lots of different entrepreneurs. This is a must-read for you. I would say it's a a should read and a good reference for entrepreneurs. Um, I think that if you're a first or second time entrepreneur, you're probably going to find the book a bit overwhelming because it is deceiving in how much ground it actually covers. I know that uh, at my first or second product, I would have not been able to absorb all this And I think if you're in that situation, it could serve as a good reference with some good ideas, but it's also more likely to be a companion piece to a workshop or an entrepreneurship program that you may join. The book is not very long, um, but it's deceiving. It covers a lot of ground. It is uh, covering complex that are much broader and more complex than Ash's first book, Running Lean. And that's largely because this topic is so hard to write about. So what Ash is doing is he's writing a broad book, meaning that it's he's trying to write a book that delivers on a way to work for all kinds of startups. You know, not the the simple narrow take that I'm taking on the podcast here, where I'm really focusing on just SaaS companies. Ash is trying to uh, come up with some advice that applies for people who are building everything from iPhone apps um, to hardware to platform companies. And he's also trying to give you advice that takes you through multiple years and multiple stages. And there, I don't know of another book that's able to deliver on that. Um, I had to read this book cover to cover three times. Uh, and I've been doing this quite a while. <laughs> um, and that's, that's I think that's a testament not only to, I guess, the, the importance I place on the topic, but just how difficult the how challenging the topic can be, how much information is in there. And to some degree, I think that the organization of the book could have been better. And I s- expect that that's something that I shall improve on in, in subsequent um, in subsequent releases. So if you look at other books that have tried to deliver on this process, um, you know, Steve Blank's books, for instance, Startup Owner's Manual and, and Four Steps to the Epiphany, I find those books to be also chock-full of great information, but extremely difficult to read and very dense. If you look at Traction, uh, Book that covers a similar topic area by Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Maris. Um, that book is a simpler book. It has co- a couple of heuristics and then it largely goes into more references for ways that you can, for a bunch of different ideas, and it, it's primarily a reference book. Um, Ash has really tried to go much deeper. He's tried to be clear, concise, and deep, and for the most part delivers on that. And I'll get into some of the challenges of the organization. Um, so I would say that in, if you're looking, again, for the TLDR version of this, Um, I think that the biggest positive I could say about the book is that it delivers on the promise on this really, really hard problem and a big challenge. And for that, that's why I read the book three times, because um, there's a lot in here that's valuable and I learned a lot by doing it. I would say that the, the biggest negative, and again, this is coming from a person who is working primarily on SaaS products, is that I found the metaphors and abstractions to be a bit overly confusing, and I actually found the whole idea of the the customer factory, which I believe was the original title for the book, to be uh, a, an abstraction for me that mostly didn't help. And um, I think when he some of the examples that Ash uses of you know Disney, you know Disney examples of Disney landing pages and flower shops, um, it was I found these not to be very helpful, and I think that's because. In SAS, we already have fairly well defined metrics and meters for our businesses. I mean, you can go on David Scott's uh, Matrix Partners uh, partner, one of the more, I guess, well known SAS uh, writers. You can look at metrics like churn and lifetime value and cost of customer acquisition. And there's, we have very specific ways of talking about our businesses and thinking about them. And when I was reading Scaling Lean, I found myself trying to take the, the very concrete principles and ways of working and, and actually back out of that to kind of overlay them on the, the abstractions and the metaphors that Ash was using. And this what w- wasn't very helpful for me. I also thought from an organizational perspective – that it was one of these books where I often felt like, um, you know, there was any time that I'm in the middle of the book, I don't know where I am and I don't know where I'm going. It's organized into three parts, 11 chapters, and Ash overlays a, a, a you know, Go Lean, G-O-L-E-A-N. Um, I, I guess uh, I, I don't even know what what to call that, um, I guess, acronym of of how to figure out, to understand the process. But um, I didn't find Goline to be very helpful um, and the, the division between the parts and, and was clear, but when you got into the chapters, it was just all it was all confusing and it, w- it made it a tough read. And I, I hope this is something that Ash works on as an area of improvement for future releases of the book. Um, so that's it. So um, if you're still listening, uh, hopefully you've already gone in <laughs> and bought the book. It, it's, it's definitely worth a read and worth being on your shelf. Okay, so let's go into more detail. I'm going to actually do a review by the book by taking the three parts of the book, and I'm going to break each one of them up and and talk about them and, and the, the value I think of, of each part. So the book is divided into three parts, which um, part one is defining progress, part two is defining waste, and part three is achieving breakthrough. The best way I can sum up these parts is that part one attempts to create sort of your goals, your larger framework for how to think about the first three years of your business. Part two is how to deal with metrics. It's about how to what to measure, uh, what to look for, and and, and and what you don't need to worry about, um, which is, is often the biggest challenge. And part three is, is how to work, is actually how to, what you need to do, how to organize meetings, and how to actually use metrics and achieve the kind of breakthroughs you're gonna need to, to build your business. So those are three parts. Um, so let me just dive into part one. Part one of the book is called Defining Progress. And as I mentioned, this is Ash's attempt to try to create the larger framework and goals for how to think about the first three years of your business. The The first part of the book starts off with uh, a lot of the, the search versus execution um, ideas, which I think are fairly well established, and Ash certainly you know really... I think, um, wrote the, the most valuable book on this in, in Running Lean, his first book. And it, it's trying to set the stage for kind of a lot of the ideas in the book. Um, there's not a lot new here. Um, I think there's a, this is where in the book where Ash gets into kind of the abstraction of a business into a customer factory with throughput. And I think this was, this was the part of the book where I got most bogged down And I understand that Ash was trying to set the stage for the rest of the book, but here's where I kind of gotten stuck. Um, So, after um, once I kind of get through that, I think the book gets to some of the best, most actionable, clearest startup advice ever written by anyone. And that is a big claim. So, I'm going to take some time and unpack that because I know at this point you're kind of skeptical. So, Ash talks about uh, approaches the business from the perspective of setting the minimum success criteria for your business at the three-year mark and working backwards from that to set the goals that you should have for yourself at the three-month six-month 12-month 18-month point point. and this is incredibly it is an incredibly valuable way to think about starting our businesses for a very simple reason we often, if you look at what you read in the blogs and the books, uh, most of it comes out of Silicon Valley, and most of it's written by people like Paul Graham, who have a very specific agenda of trying to build the next, you know, unicorn, multi-billion-dollar, you know, business, and are willing to let lots of really smart people um, throw their heads against the wall and fail um, in the in the quest to achieve that. But what I've found from working with entrepreneurs around the world, uh, in in Beijing and Manila and Omaha and Toronto and, and Savannah, Georgia, where I am now, is that's often not the goals of the entrepreneurs. It's, it's certainly not the goals of the, I guess the the uh, the advocates and the sponsorships of these programs. I mean, so taking so let's just take where I live now in Savannah, for example, a lot of the the programs here that are being uh, Promoted and funded by by the state and by the people here who are supportive of, of tech entrepreneurship in the community. The the goal is not to find the next Uber, uh, and and if you if you think that you're going to move to Savannah, Georgia, and you're going to start a business that's going to create that level of worldwide disruption, you're crazy because we don't have the resources and the infrastructure here. But what uh, the the goal I think for for most of these communities, it, it's not that it's to create valuable new businesses it's to create jobs it's to attract a more diverse workforce it's to it's for people to start uh you know a business on the side that they can build a three to ten person company a a business that makes a few million dollars and that's a that's a great goal and it's a great way to start building innovation and job creation in your communities that maybe savannah georgia can can produce the kind of companies you see coming out of silicon valley in 15 or 20 years so, most, coming back to Ash's book, if you start, if you're sitting in an in a entrepreneurship program here in Savannah, Georgia, and the very first day, the first thing you read is Paul Graham's advice, you need to be growing at um, 7% a week to make a billion dollar market, this is mostly bad advice, right? I mean, you can try to grow at 7% a week, but to try to frame your entire business, what you do, how you think about it, how you finance it around this goal, is just setting everybody up for failure. But there's nothing else out there. There uh, until until I think with this book, I think Ash has really created a framework that any of us can use by looking ahead, by sitting down with an entrepreneur or yourself if you are one and saying, what is our what is your minimum criteria for success? Three years from now, what level of revenue would you? Is the minimum you would be accepted for before you would even try the business? And for some entrepreneurs, that's going to be five million dollars in annual revenue, and you're growing like a hockey stick. And you know, best of luck to you, but I hope you, I, I hope you like, um I hope you like New York or Silicon Valley because it's going to be very hard to do that here. But for a lot of um, entrepreneurs, It's not. It's to build a business that makes a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue so that they can quit their day job or, you know, hire a couple of friends to work on something. Um, so I think just having that perspective of this minimum of success criteria is just such a valuable way to think about our businesses and how we work. And I'm trying to apply this idea in pretty much everything I do now. Um, so thinking about this, let's just you know whatever you set your your minimum success criteria to be for for three years from now, that influences every decision you make. Um, how to charge? You know, do I need to charge more? Or do I need to charge less? Do I need to go after a different market, or can I you know can I use the same go after the same original market that I that I may be familiar with. If, am I going to build a sales or a marketing driven company? Do I need a sales team or should I be should sure I try to do it with marketing automation? Do I need X, Y, or Z feature? You know, what kind of funding do I need to build the business? And do, do I need to hire people and win? Um, so I think there are there's there's a lot of uh, value in this, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a quick example now of how I've been able to use um, some of these these ideas. Um, so I guess let, let me take a step back and describe a little bit more about what Ash says in the book. So Ash advocates setting the minimum success criteria in three years and working backwards and growing your business by um, factors of ten. So if you want to be have and you know if you if you want to be a three million dollars in revenue in three years. And you're picking. You think your average selling price is going to be a hundred dollars? It means you're going to need. Oh, boy, now I'm going to do the math in my head. Uh, you know, if you're selling for hundred dollars a month, it means you need. You know, I don't know, five thousand customers or something like that. Yeah, you can do the math. If you back it out, if you, you say, you know, if you think, where do I need to be at the end of year two? You pick one tenth of that. You know, that means I need to be at five hundred customers. Okay, now where do I need to be if I'm going to be at one tenth of that after the end of year one? It needs to be at fifty customers. And, you know, where do I need to be after six months and three months? And suddenly thinking of your business in that terms and setting those as your primary goals helps you to organize what you do on a day-to-day basis. So if your goal is to have 500 customers at the end of three years, then you might only need to have one or two at the end of six months. Um, And so this is the kind of thinking that really lends itself to, to setting yourself up for having a very disciplined approach to to building your business. Now, let me go ahead and give you a quick example from my recent work experience. I'm currently serving as the interim chief marketing officer for Mad kudu a TechStars-funded company, one of the companies that I uh, invest in, in as an angel investor. And this past week, we looked at our current uh, MRR, which is monthly recurring revenue, and we—I I looked at where we wanted to be twelve months from now, and looking at you know if we grow to ten X, if we grow to ten X size, you know what does the next twelve months look like? How much revenue, you know, at our average selling price, how many customers are going to need, Net, you know, and how many demos are we going to have to do to get those customers and how many leads do we need to generate each month to hit the demos to, to be able to get the goals we want. And just doing this back of the napkin um, calculation allowed us to rule out making some, like choosing to go in some directions that weren't going to fit in with the business and it was it was a way that we could instantly and quickly save weeks' work just by thinking about our goals and where we wanted to be and the kind of marketing and sales activity we would have to do to be able to hit those goals. So this is a, again, like I said before, this is how I work, and this is a real world example of how I used the principles in this book last week. So if you're looking for a testament to the value of, of some of these ideas, um, I, I, please uh, please take. Uh, hopefully, that is helpful to you. Okay, so that's that's part one. Um, so the, the book tries to guide you into actually go ahead and, and um, setting goals. So part two is about defining waste, and as I mentioned previously, this is about how to use and and how to use metrics in your business. So if you have ever uh, built a new product and connected Mixpanel uh, or program like Mixpanel, Amplitude, or or, or God forbid, Google Analytics, Um, this part deals with um, actionable metrics because I find that uh, going into Google Analytics is like drinking out of a fire hose. There's There's just so much information in there trying to figure out, unless I go there with a very specific question, I just get mired in buttons and filters and clicking around and pretty much learn just about nothing. Um, so if you've ever found yourself in that position, I think this is the chapter for you. It's like, how do I pick the one metric that matters? How do I pick the most important thing I need to focus on today for my business? And it builds on the first part of the book. So I think the book, uh, this chapter, I'm sorry, this part starts up with with lots of valuable advice. Um, perhaps not very unique. I think that uh, in the SaaS community, we already have a lot of metrics fairly well defined and in particularly um you know again ash uses the customer factory metaphor here it leans on it pretty heavily to to kind of set the stage for the concepts and again for me i found this was too abstract i think when you know you start dealing into the factories and physical materials and operations it it just it was a a metaphor and a, a, a that was just not valuable for me and it just distracted me so uh, moving past that, I think it, it you know if you can kind of get through that, there's a lot of valuable advice here, perhaps not um, necessarily very unique or new. Um, if you're in SaaS, I think that you can probably get um, better information about more more actionable information about your business by relying on some of the references that Ash uses, like David Scott's SaaS metrics that I mentioned before. Just Google SaaS metrics and people are writing about this stuff all the time. And these are also topics, of course, that I'm going to cover in future podcasts. Um, after that, um, again, Ash gets to some really really valuable advice and uh, this he he kind of focuses on the, the theory of constraints and then when you find yourself drowning in data as most of us are, Ash tries to get you to think about where are you most constrained um, what is the one metric that you should pick and focus there? Um, I often call this the one metric that matters and I've used, that um, that phrase in previous businesses, but the, what you do is you basically you know, look at the goals you have that you set in part one that I mentioned before, and look at what is it going to take to get there. Look at your entire look at your activity as a funnel, and if I need to build, if you need to put, if you need to add a hundred new customers in next quarter. How are you going to do it? How are you going to hit that? Like, how many leads do you need? How many demos do you need to do? What features do you need? Um, what money, what do you need to get there? And then find the one metric that you need to measure to test and do experiments on and focus on that. And so once again, I'm going to give you a very specific example of how I use this idea in my work. Uh, in, in May, in my work with Matt Kudu, we were uh, we were trying to we were looking at the revenue goals we had and we realized that we wanted to we wanted to, to hit our revenue goals we needed a certain number of you know, a lot of things had to come into place for that to happen and so like a lot of a lot of you my very first reaction was okay uh, we need to sell more we need more leads have to write more blog posts got to do more direct emailing um, you know we we need more people coming in the front end of the funnel because we just don't have enough and that was my initial gut instinct reaction then fortunately uh we stopped and we had a meeting we took a step back and we said okay where actually are we before we kind of you know try to just do a lot of marketing activity which isn't going to most likely result in in much for this month what can we do right now where are we constrained and so our first question was, okay, are we constrained in trying to convert a bunch of trial customers to paying? Like, do we have people that are taking a trial, they're not paying it? And we realized, no, that there was no constraint to it, that the people who were taking a trial were, were converting to paying customers. Okay, we didn't have a constraint. So we backed up a step further along the funnel and said, okay, how about onboarding? Are we constrained at onboarding? Are we unable to, you know, or do we have customers that wanna use the product and we're not able to get them into the product? No, that wasn't the case either. We had we were anybody who who took a demo and wanted the product was able to get it. Okay, so then we we backed up a step further and we said, okay, when we do a demo with a customer, are we having a problem converting a certain percentage of them um, into a to onboard into getting them to be excited and wanting to try the product and onboard? And uh, the answer then was no. In fact, we were at a hundred percent. Every single customer we gave a demo to. Wanted to go and try and use the product. Um, so you, you can see the logic that I'm applying here is we systematically looked at our entire customer, our sales funnel from the very from from the, the point at which somebody pays, and we worked backward to find the area where we constrained. So then we asked the the, the final and the most important question is: Are we constrained at the number of demos that we're doing? Um, in other words, we had you know, one person, uh, Francis, our salesperson, who was doing most of the demos. And is he currently overwhelmed or can he do more? And the answer was, he's not constrained. This is actually, he has the capacity to do more demos, wanted to do more. And so we realized that this was the constraint and our ability to hit our sales for this month. It wasn't the number of leads coming in, it was the number of demos that we were doing. We then asked ourselves, okay, how can we overcome this constraint? What are some things that we can test and try? And we considered several options. So I could write up, you know, a blog post where I said to people, "Hey, you know, take a demo and have a strong call to action to take a demo." I could send an email blast out to our list and get people to take an demo. I could a demo. I could try webinars, partnerships, co marketing. Um, we we came up with a bunch of different ideas. But as it turned out, we actually had uh, an opportunity. We got invited to the Small Business Web Summit, um, which uh, I can talk about at some other point, but it's a fantastic event and I highly recommend it. And we had an opportunity to speak there and we decided to use that event because we felt like a lot of potential customers would be there as an opportunity to try to go there and just do direct face-to-face selling. And so that's what I did. I put all of my effort into that event, I tried to look at the the list of companies going and to research them, to identify the ones that were the most likely targets for our product. I helped uh, Sam Levin, our CEO, prepare prepare for his presentation. And I put my, my goal, I had a very specific goal, and that was to get five demos out of that conference. And so I went there and pitched people and pressed flesh and do everything you gotta do when you're hustling to try to get people excited about your product and I haven't checked our metrics lately but the last I checked that we had pretty much crushed our goals and if we didn't if we 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 think we're getting close to 10 but it was and it was an overwhelming success um so the, the reason I'm telling you this is because the only way we were able to do this is because we used the approach that uh, that that Ash is advocating in part two, defining waste. Then instead of being drowning in all the possible metrics or thinking about all the possible things we could be doing, we decided to take a step back and look exactly where we were constrained in our workflow, in our product, where we were constrained from hitting our goals. And once we knew that, we were able to test a, a couple different options for ways we could overcome them. And as it turns out, the first thing that we decided to test worked. Um, So uh, that's that's part two and I think that's if you're looking for ways to work more efficiently to identify the metrics You need and you can get through what I think are some of the more challenging parts of of reading the book I think you'll get a lot of value out of it Okay, so that's uh, that's part two of scaling lean So uh, kind of recapping in in part one in defining progress. We we kind of created the goals for a company In, in part two uh, we are able to figure out the exact metrics that we need to focus on and one point to hit our goals and in part three is more about how we work how you know how do we achieve breakthrough so the problem that this this um, chapter is trying or this part of the book is trying to solve is um, is uh, y- we've all seen these anecdotes that come out of the startup community. And it typically goes like, oh, Sean Ellis did XYZ, wrote a growth hackers and got, you know, report and got a hundred thousand leads on it. And um, you know, Joel Gascoigne, when he started Buffery, did content marketing, it worked really great for Joel. Therefore we should do contact marketing. Um, and so if you've ever tried to hire somebody to do marketing for you, you are going to be faced with uh, lots of stories of all of the, the people who did magical, amazing things that made a gazillion dollars with this nifty little magic growth hacking trick uh, that they did. Um, so if you found yourself like struggling with what you should do in your business, um, your instinct is probably gonna be that just because these stories, to the degree that they're actually true, worked for somebody else, doesn't mean they're gonna work for you. And it may and if it may work for you, it may not work for you right now. So it turns out that there really is only one way I've found to to do breakthroughs and to do this kind of you know, growth hacking, to use the you know, the overused term, and that is by rigorously testing different options you have to figure out what you need to do in your product, in your market, in your sales funnel to, to achieve breakthroughs and to, to hit your 10x milestones. And so one of my personal goals is to be a lot more um, rigorous. I will say that this... Um, this part covers a lot of ground and it's deceiving in, because I could spend, you know, I could spend 20 minutes on a single page thinking about some of the ideas that Ash is advocating and think about where I've tried them in my own work and where they have, and they haven't worked. Uh, I found, uh, for most of it, a lot of it will not be. Uh, especially when some of his chapters on running lean experiments is probably going to be more applicable to when you get to about seven or eight people and maybe you've got 30000 or more in monthly recurring revenue. Um, I think Ash calls them lean sprints. It's very similar to um, Agile. If you've done any kind of Agile software development, it's a similar way of thinking, although it's instead of around software development, the lean sprints are around trying to achieve innovation breakthrough. Um, More actionable, I think, if you're on the earlier stage of your company, is Ash's experiment report. And it's just a means of documenting how to run and do an experiment and evaluate your results and lessons learned. In the previous part, I talked about the example of myself going to the conference. And this was how I worked. I mean, I had very specific goals. I wrote up a background. I wrote up what we're trying to achieve. And I shared that with the team. And I also brought up lessons learned afterwards. And so, again, this is really, this is how I work, and I think the one-page experiment report that Ash has um, is, is a valuable way to document this. Um, so uh, that's that's pretty much that 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 chapter. It um, covers a lot of ground, and it's, it's broader, I'm sorry, this is this part three, on Achieving Breakthrough, it's broader than the other ones, it covers a lot of ground, and it, it ends up um, t- with a final chapter on how to communicate to external stakeholders, your advisors, your board members on progress reports and how to run these. And I thought his way of organizing those was, was pretty good and pretty helpful. Um, if you've ever had to s- suffer through some board meetings where you felt like it was rambling and you weren't really re- sure of how you could help somebody, I think you'll find this to be very useful. So that pretty much wraps up my review of Scaling Lean. Um, I realize that it's th- it, because the book covers so much. It's one of these topics that's kind of difficult to dissect in a podcast, but um, again, I've, I've read this book three times, cover to cover and probably skimmed it a few more. Um, normally with these type of business books, I can throw it on my Kindle, uh, hop on a coast to coast plane, uh, hop on a, a plane ride from Savannah to Mountain View, and get through the book uh, before I get through most of the valuable parts of the book before I have to take my connecting flight in Chicago. And um, this was not one of those books. This was a book that I had to read multiple times and that I really had to think carefully about what each chapter meant and, what, and, and how it related to my own experiences as an entrepreneur. Um, but having said all that, and I know I've said some critical things in here, I, I, can't, I, can't, um, I can't emphasize enough how valuable these ideas are. And I guess the best way I can um, demonstrate that is saying this is how I work, and that I'm going to use Scaling Lean when I go to build my next product. Um, anyway, thank you very much. I hope this was helpful. And if you're interested, um, I will try to have Ash is actually offered to be on the podcast. And so, if you're interested in Ash having a, having Ash on as a future guest, please email. Let me know. Email me and let me know, and uh, we'll try to wait, make it work out. And maybe Ash can add some. Uh, Maybe you can add some uh, color to some of the areas where I had challenges reading the book, and we can talk about some of his ideas. Enjoy your week.